Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons. And kneeling down, she asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, James and John said. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with their two brothers, these two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. May God bless us as we study his word today. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. And we're gathered in this place together, Lord, because we love you and we want to love each other and the people of Victorville. Lord, I just pray that you would unlock our minds and hearts to what you want to teach us in this passage, Lord, because we, we just have a hunch that this passage reveals some earth-shattering insights that you want us to take to heart. Lord, I pray that you would teach us what you want to teach us. I pray that you would unclog our ears or our minds or our hearts. Lord, we want to pay attention to your word right now with no distractions. Teach us right now, we pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Here in Matthew chapter 20, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's probably just a few short weeks away from being crucified on the cross of Calvary. And, and so his three and a half year ministry is coming to a close here as we're here in Matthew 20. And so Jesus has literally only a few more days to teach his disciples the most important things he wants them to know before he goes to the cross. And so you better believe as we zero in on Jesus' final day when he'll hang on that cross of Calvary, you better believe that what he teaches his disciples is of utmost importance. This passage is no exception. Jesus believed that he needed to teach his disciples about true greatness in his kingdom. And wouldn't you know it, James and John provide for him the perfect opportunity to teach him about greatness. James and John's mommy comes up to Jesus with James and John in tow. We're pretty sure that James and John put her up to this. So they pulled mom aside and said, psst, psst, can you do us a huge favor? I know you've been following Jesus for a while, and Jesus has a real soft spot uh, for you. Can you ask a question that we're a little too embarrassed to ask ourselves? Could you ask Jesus if he would give us the very best thrones next to his when he sets up his kingdom here on earth? And so being a loving mom that adored her baby boys, she says, no problem. She walks up to Jesus with James and John close behind and asks that question, verse 21. Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left, right there in your kingdom. In other words, she asked Jesus to give her boys the very best thrones in Jesus' earthly kingdom. Well, that's her question, and Jesus' answer to her question, and notice he doesn't just direct his answer to her, 
He directs it to them because he knew they were behind their mom's question. She asks, can my boys have the best seats? And Jesus pretty much just answers, no. Not going to happen. And then he explains two reasons why it's not going to happen. Verse 22, the first reason it's not going to happen is because the path to greatness in Christ's kingdom requires sacrifice and suffering. The path to greatness in Jesus' kingdom requires sacrifice and suffering. You see the word cup as Jesus uses it here. Are you willing to drink the cup that I can drink, that I am going to drink? That word cup is used in Scripture as symbolic of suffering and sacrifice. And so he directs this question not to the mom, but to the boys, James and John. Are you able to drink the cup? And they say, yeah, we can drink your cup. Jesus is saying, are you willing to suffer like I'm going to suffer? Are you willing to sacrifice like I'm willing to sacrifice? And somewhat naively, they answer, yeah, sure, no problem, we can do that. It's kind of remarkable to think about this. I've read this passage many times over the years, but I didn't really think about this aspect of it until I was reading a commentary this last week. It pointed this out. This mom of James and John had this vision of Jesus wearing his golden throne and sitting on his throne over the entire earth. And as he sat on his throne, she had this vision of her two boys, James and John, sitting on their thrones beside Jesus. What she didn't realize is, in a few weeks, Jesus would be wearing a a crown, but it wouldn't be a golden crown, would it? In just a few short weeks, he'd be wearing a crown of thorns. And if it was like some of those crosses that the Romans gave those they were being crucified, there would be a little ledge that they would allow you to kind of sit on as you're awkwardly hanging on the cross. And so maybe he was seated in a contorted position, but he wasn't for sure, sitting on a throne. And he was wearing a crown, but it was a crown of thorns. And those who were sitting on their little perches to his right and his left, were they in glory? No, they were two nude thieves being crucified on Jesus' right and left. She had no vision in her head of the reality of what Jesus was going to look like on his throne with his crown just a few weeks from then. Jesus says, the key to greatness in my kingdom is sacrifice and suffering. The second reason Jesus says, I can't grant your request, is because assigning seats isn't Jesus' job. You could say it's above His pay grade. It's the Father's job. The Father assigns the seats in Jesus' kingdom. So in a nutshell, Jesus basically tells James and John, when you guys are asking for the best seats, you really have no idea what you're asking. And besides, assigning seats is above my pay grade. You're asking the wrong guy. And then Jesus seizes this teachable moment to pull all 12 of his disciples together and teach them about true greatness and to teach them about service. I want you to look again at Jesus' words there in verses 25 through 27. His words are so important, I believe, for every Christian to grasp. Jesus says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. Since I did not come to be served, I came to to serve. 
Jesus is so amazing. Think about this. Jesus was God in human flesh. He he was the creator of the whole universe. And so if anyone had the right to come to earth and say, I want you to serve me. If anyone had that right, Jesus did, right? If anyone had the right to go up to his disciples and say to them, I expect you to start serving me and waiting on me hand and foot. If anyone had the right to do that, Jesus did. After He's the creator of the universe, for goodness sake. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is eternal, the self-existent one, the great Yahweh. If anyone had the right to say, I want you to serve me, Jesus did. But he relinquished that right, didn't he? I did not come to be served, but to serve. I love how Paul says it in Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians 2, Paul says it this way. He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Here in Matthew 20, as Jesus has his sights set on the cross, his message to his disciples is so loud and clear, I'm not asking you to serve me. I came to earth to serve you. Think about that for a moment. The creator of the universe relinquishing his right to be served because he loved us so much. Most of you have probably heard the famous words spoken by President John F. Kennedy at his inauguration back in 1961. These are some of the most famous words ever spoken by any president of the United States. As his inaugural address was drawing to a close, he said simply, Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Now, John F. Kennedy maybe didn't even realize this, but he was basically just taking our nation back to Matthew 20 and saying, do what Jesus would do. He basically was just taking our nation back to Matthew 20 and saying, you're not here to be served, you're here to serve. And I was thinking about this this last week. That's a, a pretty nice summary from the standpoint of citizenship of what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 20. But it doesn't just apply to citizenship about being the citizen of the United States of America. You could apply it to marriage. You could apply it to your friendships. You could apply it to the workplace. You can apply it to church. You can apply it to our community. It could go this way. Husbands, ask not what your wife can do for you. Ask what you can. Did I hear any ladies answering that? Wives, ask not what you can do for your... That was the wrong way to ask it. Wives, ask not what your husbands can do for you. Ask what you can. Wow, remarkable. Teenagers in the front row. Ask not what your parents can do for you. Ask. (laughs) I kind of thought I'd get that response. Let's try this one more time. Matthew, in the second row, we need you to help them out in the first row. Ask not what your parents can do for you. Ask. Did you hear that, Gary and Angela? Okay, I notice your mom's taking notes there, Matthew. It applies, doesn't it? And this is 180 degrees from how our culture views things. 
We tend to view our relationships 180 degrees from how Jesus says we should view them. We tend to approach life this way. How can I get more out of this relationship than I have to give? How can I get more out of this marriage than I have to put into it? How can I get more out of my parents than I return to my parents? That one kind of hurts. How about our friendships? Ask not what your friends can do for you. Ask what you can do for your friends. How about in the workplace? Ask not what your boss and your coworkers can do for you. Ask what you can do for your boss and your coworkers. That one hurts a little bit for some of us. Ask not what your church can do for you. Ask what you can do for your church. And as we're here, surrounded by hundreds of homes and surrounded by thousands of our neighbors here in the city of Victorville, ask not what the city of Victorville can do for you. Ask what we as a church can do for the city of Victorville. That's following in Jesus' footsteps. That's putting service before being served. Most people do truly hope to get more out of their relationships than they give. But Jesus says so plainly, not so with you. That's not how things in Christ's kingdom work. It's not how they operate. Christ's kingdom is countercultural. The least in His kingdom is actually the greatest. And the greatest is the one who is servant of all. Not only is this a teaching that is countercultural, It's really a teaching that is transformational. I'm telling you, if you will apply Jesus' teaching here about servanthood in your relationships, in your home, in your marriage, with your kids, with your parents, in your workplace, in your church, I'm telling you, it's not just countercultural, it's transformational. It'll transform your relationships. It'll give you more purpose where you haven't felt purpose in the past because it can really wear on you always trying to get people to give back to you more than you give. But if you go into every relationship saying, you know what, I just go into this relationship expecting that I'm going to have to give more than 50%. I'm going to have to do more than this other person does for me. If we'll go in with that mentality, it relieves the burden of always needing this tit for tat. That's a burdensome way to live. That's a heavy burden to bear. In our relationships, they can be transformed and be given more peace and more joy in relationships that have been lacking peace and joy. If you and I will follow in Jesus' footsteps and serve others without expecting them to somehow repay us for that service, it will transform our marriages and our families and our friendships and our workplaces and our church and our community. Not only that, it will put us on that path to hear those six words of Jesus that I mention to you so often that we all want to hear when we stand before Him on Judgment Day, well done good and faithful servant. If we will come and approach our relationships with an attitude of serving instead of being served, we're well on our way to hearing those six words from the mouth of Jesus. About three months ago, I met with a couple of our staff members. I met with Patrick, our worship director, and I met with Christy, our children's director. And we got together in my office, the three of us, and we were talking about this launch of impact. At that point, the congregation had just recently voted by a strong majority to to move to a more central location, and most were supportive of even changing the name as a part of doing a better job of reaching our community. And so as we sat down soon after that congregational uh, survey that we had handed out there, I think that was early June, 
we sat down and with the three of us in my office, I said, you know what? We do some really good ministry here at First Christian Church. We do some really good ministry. Christy, you do some really good ministry with our kids each week. And your team does such good ministry. Patrick, you and your team are doing such a good job with worship and the music ministries here at First Christian Church. When people come to church, the music and worship is good. Uh, The preaching is good. The children's ministries are good. But I believe as we make this move to impact, God is calling us to go from good to great. There's some room for improvement in what we're doing. And so I gave our staff members that challenge to move from good to great. What can we do that is good right now that we can do even better as we move to this more central location? And I've got to hand it to our staff. Our staff has stepped up in the last few months in incredible ways. Several of our staff members in the month of September have been working seven days a week to make this launch a reality. Our staff members have been putting more time and more effort. And it's not just Christy and and Patrick. Javier has been working so hard. He was working his tail off yesterday, making sure our sound system and everything was ready to go. And he was working hard. I said, Hav, why didn't you call someone to help you? He says, it's all right. I took care of it. I don't know how many hours he was over at our other building working yesterday, but he's put in so much effort. We're moving from good to great. It's not just Javier, it's not just uh, a Patrick, it's, it's not just Christy. Holly has been putting in so many hours and working so hard as our administrative assistant, as, as our secretary. And so many of you volunteers have been jumping in and helping in so many ways. Moving from good to great sounds great when we're meeting in my office. The hard part is actually doing that. But I'm so excited that as we have this grand opening next week, we have truly made so many strides to do the good ministry we've been doing for a long time even better than before. I'm so excited about what God's going to be doing. I'm so happy to report that so many of you have fallen in with our staff and with our elders and our leadership team and joined that challenge to move from good to great, rolling up our sleeves to serve and do great ministry. Now, I don't agree with much of Mother Teresa's Catholic theology. But I want to share with you a quote of Mother Teresa that I first heard years ago that has kind of been in the back of my mind for the past 20 years. It's an amazing quote about service. Her theology may have been a little off at times, having been raised and groomed in the Catholic Church. A little too much focus on Mary. A little too much focus on things that pull us away from a focus on Christ. But i got to hand it to Mother Teresa. She had a handle on humble service of the least of these. She probably understood humble service better than I ever will, as she spent some 50 years of her life in one of the poorest cities on the planet, Calcutta, India, serving the poorest of the poor. And she said this years before she passed away, she said, To show great love for God and our neighbor, we need not do great things. It is how much love we put into the doing that makes our offering something beautiful for God. Isn't that good? I've shared with you one of my other favorite quotes from Brother Lawrence, a 15th century uh, uh, cook in a monastery, who simply as he was cooking in the monastery kitchen every day, said, I turn my little omelet in the pan for the love of God. What an amazing thing that we can do something so small, something little, something simple, that is a beautiful offering to God. 
And so I know I've sat in that chair many a, a time and, and heard someone get up here and speak. I know sometimes we tend to think, at least in, in part of our mind, you know, it's the, the elders that do the important work in the church. It's the, the pastor and the staff that do the important work in the church. You know, it's the, the worship leader and the worship team. I can't carry a tune in a bucket. I can't preach a sermon. I've never been an elder. I never will be an elder. We think these things and they're doing the important ministry. But Mother Teresa, I think, shares so clearly with us the truth from Matthew 20 that it doesn't take great big things to love God. You can love God in small little ways, can't you? Every one of us can. We can love Him in small little ways. Over the weeks and months to come, we'll be talking about love and service a lot around this place. We're going to be clear that our number one purpose on Sunday morning is to love. And every Sunday morning we'll be here in this school surrounded by all these homes and families and we can love in such wonderful little ways. And these acts of love that we carry out are because God loves the people of Victorville so much. The best way, you know, that we can love God is by loving them. The best way that we can love God is to love each other and love them. Because when it comes down to it, we have this love for God in our hearts, don't we? How many of you love God? All right, yeah, you better put up your hand for that because he's watching. How many of you love God? Shoot it up fast, Eric. How can we express the love to God? Well, we sing songs. That's one way. Well, I put an offering in the offering bag. All right, that's a way. You know, I help set up chairs. That's a way. How do we love God? The greatest way to show our love for God is to love those, as we saw last week, that are lost and he wants to bring home to him. And so we love God by loving God. People Over the past four to five months, as we've prepared for the launch of Impact next week, we put a lot of thought and a lot of effort into doing what we do with excellence. From the initial design of our church logo that you see on your bulletins and up on the screen on Sundays, to the design of those bulletins, to making sure we got some uh, nice large screens so we could see the images clearly and read the words clearly on a Sunday morning, all the way to the fine details. Ladies, did you happen to go to the restroom this morning and notice there's Andy Mintz in there? Man, we're rolling out the red carpet. Why on earth are we going to the trouble of putting Andy Mintz, Andy's Mintz in the ladies' restroom? Why are we going to all the trouble of setting up all the signage in the parking lot and, and putting up the banner in back? And next week you'll see for the first time our 10-foot banners out front closest to the street so people can see us from a block away. Why are we going to all this trouble? Why did we have 10,000 invitations that we've been handing out over the last month and a half? We did this because we want people to come in and experience the love of God through you and me. So they can give their hearts to Him. For as long as I've been a pastor, I've encouraged our church, invite your friends, invite your family, invite your neighbors to church. And for some of you, I probably sounded like a broken record. Invite your friends, invite your family, invite your neighbors. But you know what? I know full well that at our old facility on George Boulevard, that was a really tall ask. It is hard inviting those that aren't immediate family to church because it's ugly out there. And it's on the outskirts of town. I realize that was a hard ask. Do you realize right here? is a much easier ask. I've been inviting hundreds of people to our grand opening over the last two months. 
And so I can speak from experience as I'm talking to people and inviting them to this grand opening, whether I know them or don't know them. There is a reception to receiving an invitation because this is a brand new school in a great location. And people are curious about this school and people are curious about this location. And so many are telling us it's much closer to home. Uh, One of our visitors this morning even said, this is five minutes from my house. What a blessing. And so as people have the curiosity factor that we talked about last week, they're going to want to say yes to the invitation. So what a blessing. This is a much easier ask for you as you ask the friends, as you ask the family, as you ask the neighbors, as you ask the coworkers to come to church. And it's much, much easier for them to say yes. And many of you have discovered that already. You've asked a friend or family member that maybe told you no in the past, but they told you yes this time. And God is going to use that, isn't he? He's going to use that. When your friends and family and neighbors pull into the parking lot on Sunday morning next week, our hospitality team is going to be rolling out the red factor. That's an interesting term. They're going to be rolling out the red carpet. And you know what they're going to have? They're going to have the wow factor. They're going to have the wow factor. What's that? Well, about five years ago, Pastor Craig and I went to a little one-day seminar And there was a seasoned pastor leading this seminar, and the guy had been a pastor for like 200 years. I think he came over on the ark, I don't know, but he's been a pastor forever, and this guy was just packed full of wisdom and experience. And he asked us the question, he said, does your church have the wow factor with first-time visitors? And Craig and I kind of looked at each other and said, man, that's a really good question. Does your church have the wow factor with first-time visitors? And so last week, as we were doing some training with our parking lot attendants and our greeters, we were talking about this wow factor. And so we've tried to do some things in planning for this launch next week that really do wow our visitors. I've mentioned we have some great signage in the parking lot. We've got a a team out there in the parking lot uh, helping to make sure people get into the building and are able to get not just a free donut on a Sunday morning. You realize those are Krispy Kreme donuts out there? Man, we're not, we're not just getting you the cheap ones, man. We're getting you the Krispy Kremes. They've got the coffee and the Krispy Kremes being set up each week. We've been batting around another idea this week. Some of you mentioned, you know what? Uh, for those of us that have walkers or wheelchairs, if we park even in the closer spots, it's a little bit long of a walk to get through that hallway and patio and down into this room. And so we've been batting around this idea. I think we're going to try it out next Sunday to do, you ready for this? Impact Christian Church, valet parking. You like that idea? Any week, we're going to clear this front curb so you can come if you have someone with a walker or a wheelchair and drop them off right at the curb cut so they can come right through the gate and into that patio area where there's the coffee and the refreshments and donuts. But we want to go a step further. What if you pull up with that other person in your car who needs that walker or wheelchair and you simply hand your keys over to one of our teenagers with their learning permit... We need to work out some kinks in this plan Uh, to one of our parking lot attendants and you can help your loved one through the gate who's in that wheelchair or walker. They'll park your car in one of these near spots and immediately get your keys back to you so you don't have to be troubled to park them and leave them there until you come back after parking the car. We want to roll the red carpet out for you. Seniors, those of you with disabilities, we love you and we are so glad that you're here. 
And we want to make this as easy as possible. As of today, we've got handy access, handicapped access bathroom stalls available just past the patio area. You just go around the patio to the right as you exit onto the patio, and there's two stalls. Husbands, you can take your wives in there if they need some help, those that are in wheelchairs or walkers. Ladies, you can do the same for your husbands if they need help. And so we want to make this as easy and, and as good of an experience for you and all of our guests that come in. As our guests come in with that welcome center, you see Amber back there with those impact tumblers. I use mine just about every single day of the week. I love this thing. It's got the double wall insulation. It keeps my drink nice and cold. And when I have a hot drink in the wintertime, it'll keep that nice and warm. I'm going to just test it out right now. These things each week we're going to have in back. We're giving away one of the most generous gifts I've ever seen a church give away. A nice tumbler, but not just the tumbler. We're going to have some famous Amos cookies inside there. Going to have one of those impact pens. Next week, we'll be giving away some gift cards. I mentioned earlier, if you're visiting today for the first time, we want to get your family either a jack-in-the-box gift card or a gift card for a free cone of ice next week. We're going to be blessing first-time visitors. We're going to give them the wow factor. Here's the thing. As we've been talking to our greeters about, studies show that many people decide if they're going to return to the church a second time within the first five to seven minutes of their first visit. So think about that. When someone parks their vehicle, the clock starts running. Within the first five to seven minutes, many of those first-time visitors will decide if they're coming back next week. And so before they ever hear my sermon, before they ever hear even Patrick lead the first prayer, many decide. I see a hand over there. Diane, you want to say something? Amen. Could you all hear that? (laughs) Diane was out last week and uh, filled out that Connect card, and I called her this week, and uh, she wanted to jump in, so she's serving already. Her son-in-law was here last week for his first time. He was up on stage helping to break down the stage after our service. What a blessing to be able to roll out the red carpet and invite people in. One thing I plan on sharing with our visitors next week is... If you want to jump in and serve, if you've been a part of a church maybe in the past where you were just kind of a fly on the wall, no one knew if you were there or not there, you didn't connect with anyone and you didn't feel needed. If you didn't show up, it wasn't a big deal. I want our visitors to know that we have a place for them. And if anyone wants to serve on their very first day here, just like Diane, we'll put them to work their first day. We're not going to put them in the nursery. But whether, you know, it's helping unload or reload the trailer or set up chairs, there's a number of things we can do from day one. We're going to be a serving church, just like we've always been a serving church. We can all love our visitors in small ways. Let me give you just a few final examples, and I'll wrap this sermon up. There are small ways that you can show love to our visitors in their first five to seven minutes. Right out here in the parking lot, I think we've got something like 60 parking spots. We're going to fill that lot quickly next week. And we're going to have to use our overflow lot in back. And so I don't know if you've driven over there yet, but as you're coming up Elevato, if you just pass these first two entrances to this parking lot, there's a long driveway that runs along the far side of the school, just shy of the houses. That long driveway is about 125 yards long. 
Most of that is white zone, and so that's overflow parking. On the far side of that driveway is a parking lot that holds another 30 vehicles. And so what if, if you're able to walk a a little bit of a distance, what if when you get here early next week, instead of taking one of the primo spots, what if you parked on the far side so one of our visitors could take one of those close spots? Just like Jesus, you have every right to take the best spot. And I'm not going to say a thing to you next week. I'm not going to even glare at you. If you take the very best spot, that's up to you. You're welcome to take the best spot any week. But what if, in the spirit of service, we relinquished our right to take the best spot so our visitors could have it? Those of you who are out in the parking lot, we've got a little overflow as well out here on the dirt area. We can use that as well so our visitors can park close to the building and be guided in. That's part of that wow factor. Many of you like to come in on a Sunday morning and take an aisle seat. Notice how there's a lot of open chairs in the middle. Most of us like an aisle seat. What if, when you got here early, you chose to slide over to a middle seat instead of making a visitor crawl over your lap if they get here five minutes late to get to the seats that are open in the middle of the row? What if a family of four comes in next week and there's three empty chairs right next to you and they're looking for a place for all four of them to sit? What about hopping up and giving them your seat so they can all four sit together? I'm not going to ask you next week to do any of this. I'm not going to glare at you. You sit wherever you want. You park wherever you want. But I think as we follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, if you will do small little things like that, even things as small as bringing your Bible next week, which communicates the simple message, the Word of God is important in this church. If you didn't bring a Bible next week, uh, bring it this week, bring it next week. And if you don't have a Bible, we've got free ones in back. These simple little acts of service may stand out more to our visitors than my entire sermon next week. That visitor in their first five to seven minutes may come in and say, you know what, this church prioritizes the Bible. This church blessed me from the moment I parked in the parking lot. Those donuts sure were good. Those Andy mints were sure nice because my breath was bad in the restroom. You know what, they gave me a chair. Someone hopped up and let my family sit together. They served me what I needed during the service. This is a place that loves people. And I know without a doubt, That as we follow in Jesus' footsteps, the one who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life, as we follow in his footsteps, we're not just going to see a lot of people blessed and return the next week. Ultimately, we're going to see a whole lot of people saved. And what a blessing that's going to be. I can't wait till that last Sunday in October when we set up that baptistry out back. Roy and I have been talking recently about how to heat up that water in the baptistry when we do those baptistry services. And I got to say, God just keeps answering prayer. I was talking to our janitor here on at the school this morning, and I was telling him we're going to set up in that amphitheater the fourth Sunday of each month for those baptisms. And he walked me into the janitor closet and he showed me the hose bib in there. He says, see that this hose bib right here? It's connected right to that hot water heater. I'll plug in the hose for you we got plenty of water in that hot water. Man, we'll just blast that out. We'll put some hot water in that baptistry. I'm thinking, woohoo! So if it's a little cold that morning, don't come and bathe. That's for baptisms. But I cannot wait. As people come in next week, we're going to let them know that the following Sunday, on October 13th, we're going to offer our first of two baptism classes Christy will teach one for the kids. I'll teach ones for adults and teens. We'll do the same thing that third Sunday in October and then the fourth Sunday. I'm 
pretty confident that we are going to have more baptisms on that one day than we've had in all 2019. It's going to be a blessing. It's going to be a blessing. Next week, we expect some 300 people to come out. It might be standing room only in this room. Remember, we have 700 kids passing our banners coming into the school campus five days a week. They see those banners every day. My best guess is 300. It could be more. I don't know. But I encourage you to be here early next week. If you see an opportunity to jump in and help, please jump in and help. We've got to somehow pack another 60 chairs into this room. So we're going to get creative. We might have a few people on the sides if necessary, but we're going to do our best to accommodate all those that come in. My best guess is about of the 300, 250 or so in this room, maybe as many as 80 to 100 in the kids' wing. It's going to be a blast. As we cut that ribbon and officially launch Impact Christian Church, And we start this adventure together of making a greater impact in our community for Jesus Christ. Church, thank you. We could not have done this without you. We could not have made this next week a reality without you. And I thank you for your prayers. And I thank you for your support. And I thank you for your love. And I know at times it's been challenging. And I know at times it's been hard. But I thank you for what you've done. Next week, you'll be able to lay eyes on what we've been preparing for for months. And maybe for the first time, it'll become clear, this is why God brought us here. To seek and save the lost and see this community transform for Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for being the awesome God that you are. We pray, O God, that as we go into this next week, that, Lord, you would prepare us, making those final preparations that are needed, Lord. Not just preparations in this room, Lord, but preparations in our minds and hearts. Unify us together, Lord, as a a team, a, a machine, ready, Lord, just to work as one for the cause of Christ. Lord, I pray that you would just Bond us together. Lord, I thank You that this is a tight family. And Lord, I pray that we would be a tight family with open arms to bring others into this family. Lord, we know that Diane is just one of many who You'll bring our way. Bring others, Lord. Bring others that don't have a church home right now and need to get plugged in and grow and serve in a church. And please bring us those that don't know Christ. Because, Lord, we want to see many people saved. And help us, Lord, to help them grow in their faith. To grow in their new walk with You. Help us to be a blessing, O Lord. As our eyes are closed right now, I'm going to ask if there's anyone here that needs prayer. And Pat and Amber and back, I'm going to ask that you guys join me in just seeing who's raising their hand in a moment. And we just want to be praying over you. But... As our eyes are closed, if you would just...